0: Welcome, everyone, to a Baseball America podcast, along with J.J. Cooper. I am John Manuel. We thank you so much for the download here on iTunes or at BaseballAmerica.com or however you get your Baseball America podcast. And we're brought to you, of course, by MLB Network, and we're so happy to be sponsored by MLB Network here on every Baseball America podcast. And, J.J., we haven't done one of these in a couple weeks, vacations, all those kind of things uh, intervening, uh, so we apologize for that. We're going to come to you with two podcasts this week, J.J. and I with one today, at the end of the week on Friday, Jim Callis and I will preview the signing deadline period for the draft. Signing deadline being Monday, August 16th. So Jim and I will uh, we'll go time over for us all that. We'll put the
1: clock up. clock will go up today.
0: That's right. The, clock, the signing clock goes up. And, uh, you know, it's been an interesting four years of having that signing deadline. And I think baseball's draft just keeps evolving the more attention baseball pays to its draft. You know, and uh, a little bit disappointing this year with how slow the pace of signings has gone, JJ. But. That, it is what it is. The, it's not the, the, the best
1: way to put it is, is, like when you see updates as far as players right now, it's like, so what's the update on the first rounder? Well, we haven't really talked much. You know, we'll be getting ready to get do start doing that now. Right. it's like, that does sum up that if you moved it up to July fifteenth, it really wouldn't affect I think a you, thing.
0: I think you just would have all this happen in mid July. Right. But Which, you know what? That'd be that'd be fine with me. Oh, that'd be
1: what what a that'd, lot. Be, hey, that'd be a lot better if mid July means that every one of these guys, you know. Comes in and actually gets in 150 at-bats. Yeah, you know, but it's been a 25, law. 30 innings.
0: It's definitely been a law of unintended consequences as with everything else in the history of the draft. Every time MLB try, everything MLB has tried to do first was to level the playing field and actually spread out the talent, and that was fine. Second of all was to try to keep bonuses down. You know, and it worked. For and a they've long been doing time. that for the last 12. That worked on bonuses for 25 years, and worked great. Now the last 20 years, they've been trying in vain to keep bonuses down, and they generally have done it. But when you have a guy like Dylan Covey got drafted by the Brewers, I think, what, 17th overall, 18th overall? And his advisor this week said, well, they're waiting for $2 million. My first year of Baseball America was 1996. Chris Benson was the number one overall pick and got $2 million. So they haven't kept bonuses down.
1: You know, although I will I will point out one counter argument to that, which is is that if you went back to nineteen ninety six and you said at the big league level, you know, what is a massive deal? It would be I mean, you know, it wasn't you know, Nolan Ryan was a million back in the eighty and then it went yeah, up to 90, like ninety
0: it was three million dollars in nineteen ninety, ninety one, Kirby Bucket right. and Ricky Henderson. Right. So guys. what
1: you're saying though is is that like if you go to ninety five it was probably like four or five mil and now we're talking, you know, that's tripled also. Like fifteen mil now is you know it How has many gone many you know but that many guys make right that. but i'm saying but that's if you were going to compare you know
0: i see what you're saying to an extent but i mean also revenues have tripled in that no i'm saying too. what i'm saying though is, is that both hearing a have guy grown has pretty, pretty pretty fast
1: i think they've grown fast but what i'm saying though is, is that if you think about it from the standpoint of what uh big league salaries if you look on the same you know apples to apples what is a uh, what is a an average big league salary now compared to what it was then it's tripled and what is an average bonus now is probably also triple. Uh, well,
0: I think the bonus real bonus inflation uh, was really from 1990 to ninety six in that span. And then, like, really in the 90s is where it really exploded. Right, and since then they it's been – They have kept things down a little bit in the 2000s, but they're still – they wanted to – there's only was one year, and it was in this decade – I forget what year it was. It might have been 2001 or 2002 where bonuses actually went down in the first round. Right. But now what you've had with the signed deadline, I think, again, they thought that they were going to be able to drive bonuses down, not just slow the growth – but drive bonuses down with the changes they made for the 07 draft, and that hasn't been the case. Right. They, they, they may have – I haven't looked at the numbers to see if uh, – you know, that's what we'll do for Friday's podcast. But uh, I definitely don't think they've accomplished what they wanted to accomplish because they want to drive bonuses down, and all and they've done is yeah. slow the growth. And the, the, they've in the process, they've also – you know everybody signs la- later now. No, oh, yeah, no. you, if you're going to sign for slot, you sign for slot the first week, you go out and you play – If you want more than slot, you don't sign until August 16th, and that's – I don't know how big of a deal that is, but that is what we have now, for sure. Uh, But we also have a – obviously, we have our best tools issue to describe, to talk about. We have the trade deadline that has come and gone. We missed uh, commenting on that last week, unfortunately. Uh, That's come and gone. We had Mike Miner, among many prospects, recently caught up in the major leagues. So we can talk about all that. We're going to start off, I think, JJ, with a question that we got over email. Why don't you read that? And if you have questions for us, especially for Friday's podcast about the draft, you can send them to podcast at com or post them on our Facebook page. I will say that we're not going to read questions of did blank sign or has blank signed. We're going that to that go is, a little yeah. bit more bigger picture. And instead of player by player, I think we can talk about organizations maybe that have a lot target, of guys, yeah. those kind of things. But, right. Although
1: yeah. I'm going to guess that at some point the words Bryce Harper will be used during that uh podcast. I think we
0: think he will sign. Yes. I think that the, the, the hullabaloo of him and Manny Machado on Facebook, I don't think we're yeah. buying that one.
1: Um, okay. So this is from Portland Baseball Softball. How about this? Of the contending teams that haven't been in the playoffs recently, Texas, Cincinnati, San Francisco, and let's say San Diego and Atlanta as well, which of those has the best chance to win the World Series?
0: And the chance of winning the World Series for all those teams, I think, is pretty small. Right. I I, I mean, to be
1: honest with you, yeah, I do not, I would not say that any of those right now, if you went into Vegas, you would, you know, I think you could get some good odds on any of those.
0: I still think that either New York or Tampa, because they're starting pitching and their balance, are the favorites. And I would give, obviously, I would give the edge to the defending World Series champions in New York. I like the moves they made at the deadline, deepening their bench a little bit, improving their bullpen a little bit. You know, Wood shaved his beard because he joined the Yankees. He looks like Kerry Wood, 1998. <laughs> he looks like a kid again. It's so he looks Without so the hammer, he you doesn't have the hammer that
1: he did. But I
0: you. saw the, I saw he threw one of those uh, against the Red Sox in the two-one game on Monday afternoon, and it, his breaking ball broke like a foot down and a foot and a half in, and it plunked the Jacoby Ellsbury around the ankle, and it's like, hadn't changed as far as that goes in 12 years. Still has no control of that pitch. But I think it's, I think the easy answer there, JJ, would be Texas. Because the Rangers lead their division, and the biggest division lead in baseball, I believe. Uh, yeah, they're, they're going over, to the playoffs. And, I think we can. Say I think we think they're compliment. going to the playoffs. Although Trevor Cahill is trying very hard, and Kurt Suzuki trying very hard to get Oakland there. And I, Oakland's fun to watch from that standpoint. It's just yeah, it would be interesting to see how that race would have been different if Brett Anderson could have stayed healthy all year. Right. Um, and it's it's awesome to watch Trevor Cahill's Tre- Trevor Cahill's maturation this year. But I think Texas is the safest bet to get in the playoffs. I would give them the best chance. Plus, they have Cliff Lee. But, not to sound too much like Peter Gammons, their playoff rotation after Cliff Lee drops off pretty quick. Looks shaky. Yeah, Drops
1: off pretty quick. And the question is, is, you know, I I don't think, it's more more of a team that you would almost say like, okay, are they, get to the playoffs this year and hope to build on that next year? Which, I mean, that may be, you know, now, a lot of that depends on, (laughs) you said, they have Cliff Lee right now. Yeah. You know, they've said, they, you know, With all this, you know, the sale finally going through, you know, that they, it seems like that they may, you know, if they can make it work financially, they'd be interested in keeping Cliff Lee. Yeah,
0: that's pretty a big matzo ball, though. That's a big
1: matzo ball. But if they could, the rest of that team is built to kind of like, you know, to be better going forward, I think.
0: Yeah, I think the other question with them is Vladimir Guerrero is having a terrible second half. He was outstanding in the first half, but he's really dropped off in the second half. So I wonder, you know, what's their their offense going to be like in the postseason? Ian Kendler's been banged up, obviously, all year. Um, You know, you really trust their – the rest of the – basically, right now their offense is pretty much being carried by Michael Young. Uh, Obviously, Josh Hamilton. Josh Hamilton, yeah. And (laughs) And Nelson (laughs) Cruz, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, you've got those two guys in the middle of the lineup, but without Vladimir there to protect Josh Hamilton, you're not going to let Josh Hamilton beat you. Is Nelson Cruz good enough to really be – The guy can carry an offense in the postseason. And there's just not a ton of other help in that lineup. Not right now. Not the way it's going right now. So I think think Texas had some questions. I actually like Atlanta and the Giants just played over the weekend. The Giants had their annual, you know, Brian Sabian era uh, post barry bonds. Are they going to score any runs? So they lucked nice. into the, you know. We've been asking
1: that question for many years. That's ago. right.
0: So I, but I like the Giants, and I Hello, like the pickups uh, they made this year. They, they improved their offense. Uh, Aubrey Huff a. Aubrey had a great year for them. Shocking year, just tremendous. He's actually uh, it was not a dead cat bounce last year. No, it's, a- it was Baltimore. I'm right, still alive. I'm. He's still there. Yeah, I'm not dead yet. Um, and then you know Pat Burrell having a dead cat bounce with back in his hometown. He went to Bellarmine Prep and the San in San Jose. He's back in the Bay Area, and Pat Burrell's been been in San Francisco what the Rays hoped he would be in Tampa. Um, Obviously, Buster Posey is Buster Posey. I mean, that guy's a stud. No, it's it's a
1: much better. I mean, the thing about it is that their lineup, it's a lot of, with the exception of Buster Posey, a lot of guys you wouldn't be expecting to be depending on. But But it's been better than anyone could have possibly. Andres
0: Torres has been a revelation. Part of uh, the worst draft in Royals history, that Derek Ladner draft. Wasn't Torres more part of that draft with the Royals? He was? I cannot sure. remember that. Oh, was he was the guy who was in that draft who was like, uh, uh, maybe he was like the best big leaguer of that draft before this year, which is why it was a bad draft. But uh, out of those teams, I still think it's the Braves. I think the Braves have the best chance. Uh, they've got to hang on in that division, and they certainly have some offense questions going on right now. Right. I, mean, that's, that's, I like their pitching for the playoffs. You, you like their pitching for the playoffs,
1: but that is the real question. is is Are they going to have enough?
0: I even like their pitching better than San Francisco because I like their bullpen better than the Giants. I mean, the Giants' rotation at the top is just as formidable as Atlanta's. Although, right now, Tim Hudson, i take Tim Hudson against any pitcher in baseball. That, it'd be a push. Does anybody versus Tim Hudson, right now you have to say it's a push. Tim Hudson's just been dealing been so really well. And then you have, obviously, Hanson, Jire Jurgens. The injury to Chris, Chris Medlin is, hurts them a little bit for the regular season. About him, they were expecting right, to a playoff
1: starter. He was going to be throwing innings in the bullpen He would have been a maybe. very
0: helpful bullpen arm because Peter Moylan's arm is hanging out by a thread. Bobby Coxon. Is pulling his uh, Bobby Cox and Joe Torrey both do this? They find their three or four relievers uh, hey, and we're they use pound him. them into the ground. <laughs> and Johnny Venters, get ready! <laughs> with, with Chris Medlin not there to help you, Johnny Venters, who's been awesome this year. Um, that's why I actually like Kyle Farnsworth for them. They need another right-handed reliever. But then here's um, the question: Is he's is still Kyle, Kyle Farnsworth. Farnsworth?
1: It may be like, oh, we're not going to Farnsworth, you know, unless it's eight to two before long.
0: That 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 might be where they're headed. But well, I, I like Atlanta. Out of I'll, I'll
1: throw out the same thing like, like you said that. I think Cincinnati is in really good shape to make the playoffs. Yeah, I, I think, think so. I they're mean, in a
0: good shape. Uh, there? What are they right now? In the wild card standing? If they're in the wild card? No, they're, they, oh, lead they're the, they lead the division, so yeah. they're you know right. But if they if yeah, they, they lose would be. Yeah, league, they would. They're they're tied tied they the would the be. They would be
1: tied with the Giants for the top of the wild card if they were not. You know, and the Phillies. So you know, oh, actually they'd be ahead of the Phillies. Yeah, they're all tied yeah. in the loss column yeah. though. Right all tied the loss It's very part.
0: bunched up. The National League would be a lot of fun to watch. Oh yeah.
1: But but the thing with the Reds is I do think they're very well constructed. They got an easy schedule down the stretch and the strength of them is just that it's just like five-headed rotation monster where right. you can cut off any one head, and it doesn't really matter, with the exception maybe of Johnny Cueto. Like, they one through five, they don't have anyone who consistently is going out and getting bombed. Yeah, now, Mike Leak right. recently is the closest thing you could say to that. But, you know, like Travis Wood, they sent Travis Wood down this week because they were going to skip his start next week, and so, hey, you know, they needed a roster spot, and he'll be back in, you know, the same time he would have been otherwise pitching. Well, Travis Wood's been better than Mike Leek lately. Yeah. But they've got Homer Bailey has been pitching well in rehab. So there's even talk that Homer Bailey may be coming in and Leak, you know, maybe they start to ease Leak off a little bit now. Maybe he's hitting a wall. They have enough starting pitching that they should, you know, is really – Easy for them to avoid a three, four, five-game losing streak because they're going to get quality starts.
0: Right, and I like the pickup of Jim Edmonds for them. That's a good waiver, post-waiver right. uh, deadline. Kind game. of the
1: Yankees, similar type things. What the Yankees did It's like not like that move that oh, this guy is going to change everything. Right, but that move of hey, we've got a guy now who you know useful off the bench, play a couple positions, all that.
0: I think that the phrase that people like to use now, uh, just the, I think the upset stat heads is he's a winning ball player, but Jim Jim Edmonds definitely makes me think of. He's been on good teams, in right? General. And he, and he's contributed to those. He's had a great career.
1: But the concern I'd have is with the Reds is I do think they're a team that's more constructed right now to beat up bad teams, which they've done a really good job of, than to match up in the. The, the thing about the NL though is is like so who is there? I mean there is no one in the NL that you point to and say, man they're the juggernaut. You just have to watch out for them.
0: And there's no juggernaut, that's for sure. I I, I think. Seem, it feels like most people still think the Phillies are the favorite. If they get there, because
1: right. you go, okay, well, Halladay as well, and
0: Cole Hamels is pitching better. Yeah. Of late, you, you,
1: you look at them and say if they get in, which we still have to see if they get in, but if right. they get in, they have the pitching staff that you worry about more than anyone else, even more than the Braves.
0: Yeah, and then uh, the other uh, quote-unquote new teams, uh, San Diego, we haven't even mentioned the Padres. And, I mean, I don't know I don't know if Bud Black already has manager of the year wrapped up. Uh, he should. He should. <laughs> um how about the Padres? I mean, I think we all thought by this time, JJ, that they would be uh, They would have jettisoned. We'd be talking about the yeah. haul they got back for Adrian Gonzalez. And
1: instead, they're like, "Oh well, we actually going to build around." Do you
0: think they can hold off the Giants? I think the Giants are going to overtake them and win that division. Personally, I don't even think the Padres will make the postseason. Even though I, I think it was a nice move for them, they picked up Brian Ludwig for a song. Um, I don't know necessarily that Miguel Tejada helps a lot, but I know Chase Headley has not hit lefties very well right. this I mean, year. So uh, Tejada's an upgrade there. Um, I, to me it seems like it's all tied into the rest of their rotation. You know, Matt Lato's can Matt Lato's stick around and he was good in his last start, but obviously he's never pitched this deep into the right, year. This is he's the really their only difference maker in their starting rotation. But the rest of the rest of their rotation only has to be average with as good as their bullpen's been. I and mean, their bullpen's been tremendous. It's a sub three RA. To the bullpen. Do you think they have the, enough staying power hold the, off the Giants? The, the thing I, I was
1: wondering is, is, I just don't think they have enough offense.
0: Yeah.
1: I, I just, I, I know, you know, they don't need as much offense in that park, and what the offense they have looks right. worse because of that park. But, but I just don't know if they have enough offense, you know, to to really to stick in this. I mean, it it, it and you were you were talking, you know, if other players like at this point, why would you let Adrian Gonzalez beat you?
0: Yeah, that guy didn't end up... Uh, he It's surprising he doesn't have Barry Bonds' walk numbers. It's really kind of surprising. I mean, he's so much better than everyone else in their lineup. But that's why Ludwig, I think, was a pretty huge move for them. So, I mean, it's not like he's hitting for them yet, but he was a better... He's better protection in that lineup. He's a legitimate threat other than Adrian Gonzalez. So if you do treat Adrian Gonzalez like Barry Bonds and walk him all the time, I think Ryan Ludwig can make you pay. But personally, I like the Giants' chances better. Um... I Either mean, bullpen's if, better. It's, it's improved over what it's been. On, their lineup is improved over what it's been, but they do have to find a way to get someone to to make sure that someone gets on base consistently in front of Posey and, and Huff.
1: If I was having to pick one team of these, though, I would say Texas simply for this. they in their division. If they can just, you know. They could. I think they have at least a little clear path because, for one thing, I feel confident they're going to make the playoffs. If I had to put money down on one, yes. I'd put money on them because That's of weird. that. But with that being said, yeah, I think, we, I think we both agree. We both say Yankees or Rays is much more likely than any of these teams.
0: I think so, too. We'll see. Uh, as we record this, the Yankees and Rangers are getting ready to play a uh, series, and we have another great series going on in the National League with the Reds and the Cardinals, and a great series going on in the American League Central with the Twins and the White Sox, who are tied in first place. And, you know, I, I thought it is. It's, hey, there
1: there's a lot of a lot of great races as we get you know down to the. Uh, we're no, in August now. It, not a it bad matters. Thing. It's only boring if it, you're
0: if you're Bill Simmons and you're a Red Sox fan and apparently the Red Sox are boring for their fans this year, which I don't quite understand that either. But so I'll, I'll tee you up.
1: I'll tee you up for the next next topic, which I'm going to let you kind of go sure. on because this is much more uh, John expertise than mine. But uh, so yesterday, uh, late yesterday, Southern California fires Chad Kruder. Yes. I feel safe to say not a. Shocking move that Crooder has been let go. Is that
0: sure? Oh, absolutely not a shock at all. Because only t- only the timing was. And I, mean, I was going to say that was the thing, the
1: thing I was going to ask you. Is the shocking part to me with you know asking this kind of as the the yeah. the, the fan almost because like I follow it from the standpoint of as as I follow it closely, but I'm not involved in reporting it at right. all. How often does a coach get fired? In August,
0: very infrequently. I would say rarely, but obviously this had this had a first. USC had to deal with the NCAA football investigation, and I'm not sure if any of the basketball stuff, the O.J. Mayo stuff, or any of that. But you know, with the Reggie Bush and all the NCAA football stuff that came down, that was the death knell for Mike Garrett. And so first, mm-hmm. USC had to decide and had to figure out whether it was going to keep Mike Garrett or not. And all through the spring, there was speculation about Chad Kruder's job security. It was his fourth year at USC. He didn't have a winning record even last year when they had Brad Boxberger, Robert Stock, Grant Green. They still didn't have a, a winning record even then. So they lost all three of those guys and were worse in 2010. So all year there was speculation whether or not he'd keep his job. And the only thing that people thought would keep his job would be if the football investigation dragged on and Mike Garrett stayed on because he was Mike So where Garrett's basically guy. there would
1: just be... Because Mike, beyond that, there will be so little attention, right. ability to focus attention on the baseball program that it also will would be on cruise control for a year.
0: That's correct. And USC, understandably, has to had to pay a lot of attention to their football program. And
1: they're—I mean—they're I mean, they're facing yeah—they're facing
0: big-time NCAA sanctions, and they had to take care of those. But once that happened, and once Mike Garrett lost his job and Pat Hayden took over as AD, we did start to hear the rumblings. I think people expected that something would happen. The whole question was. What would happen? Would he basically just give Chad Cruder one more year and start building a list of okay, we're going to keep, you know, start building a candidate list to replace him because uh, the timing was so bad. Right, because uh, I mean,
1: really, what you your choice at this point? It seems like more than anything, even with a a program like USC, which I mean, you know, national championship. I mean, yeah, it twice it is. It's hard, you know. It may not seem like it if you've just started following college baseball in the last, you know, five ten years. Yeah, they but haven't
0: been relevant in the 2000s. They've been. They went to Omaha in 2000 and 2001. Yeah, basically Mark
1: Pryor left, and that was a. They've a,
0: only been to regionals twice since right. then, I believe.
1: But that if you, but in the history of college baseball, I mean, they are the program. That's right. I mean, and there's not even like they are the UCLA of basketball. They are that of baseball.
0: Absolutely, and five championships in a row in the early 70s and. You know, tons of big leaguers. And the thing is, they're, even their big leaguers are aging out. Their big league alumni, no more Mark McGuire, no more Randy Johnson. You know, Barry Zito's up there, although thanks to his long toss regimen, he's back uh, pitching, being effective again. But they have no, uh, they really don't have a lot. Of, I mean, Mark Pryor's career, he's, he's an indie Ball now, is he not? He's a,
1: he's a setup man in the, in the Golden is. League.
0: I hope uh, good things for Mark, but there's not a lot of big league alumni anymore that USC can can. Uh, and they haven't made regionals in seven of well, the last eight years. So. so
1: really, the the choice they were facing was, I mean, because at this point, it would be hard to imagine what Chad Rooter could do that would, you know, that would have turned around if he'd give, been given another year. Yeah. If the likelihood he was would have been really in over his head. If the likelihood would have been okay, so you're gonna be fired after the 2011 season.
0: Right and then what the, so what Pat Hayden actually did I think uh, was a good middle road I think it I think it had to be done I think Chad Cruder had to be fired he probably should have been fired a year ago after last year he really should have been fired after right because there
1: wasn't really a whole lot of hope for this year when you no. say hey you're the most talented team that USC's had Correct. since
0: it's the good over.
1: yeah since well and since the good you know really Going back to the early 2000s, is it not? Probably,
0: yeah. I mean, like, I guess it was 05, one of those years that Jeff Clement was there, they made regionals, they won a regional, they lost in the Super Regional at Oregon State. That was a good team. Right. But, you know, they had, uh, they really haven't been relevant in a lot lot of ways. Um, It was a horrible decision to fire Mike Gillespie at the time, push him out in 2005, I guess it was. And then, you know, for every Grant Green that they got, Grant Green was a highly sought-after recruit. Uh, there were five guys that USC signed who didn't make it to campus. I talked to Grant Green in the Futures Game, and he talked about, yeah, you know, I would have ruined with Hank Conger. I would have also. I w- I was the host for Mike Mustakas when he visited campus. You know, those guys would have been great Trojans. Uh, Mike Mustakas, you know, his regret about signing pro ball is that he doesn't get to pitch anymore. I don't think he regrets it when he looks at his bank account. But you know, now that he's in Triple A, and he's had a great year this year, and he's in the running for a Minor League Player of the, Minor League Player of the Year and this would have been his uh, junior year in college. He would have been drafted this year, 2010. I think he was better off for signing uh, at a Pro Bowl and was the number two overall pick. But Miami stockers would have been a dominant college player. Same thing with Aaron Hicks, another right. USC signee. But, Chad Kruder aimed way too hard. I was going to
1: say, the problem with those guys is, is, yes, they would have been dominant players, but at Tim the Denkel. same time, that's the same thing as, you know, Going back, I mean, these guys always, yeah. You could you could play what is with those, but Mike Moustakis, everyone knew. Yes. Going into his senior year, this wasn't a guy who popped up. Like I mean, you know, there are guys who come into their senior year as top five to ten round picks right. who become first rounders. That he, guy, you you can take the gamble with. Correct. The guy he who's going to be a top guy. five pick.
0: Yeah.
1: You're,
0: now Moustakis that, didn't enter the year as a top five pick. He entered the year behind even Matt Dominguez, and he was thought of as more like a second to fifth type guy. And then he really had that right. amazing senior year where he at the California single-season home run record. Still, he was more likely a a, a pro guy as far as he was going to get drafted in that first three rounds, probably. Yeah, I think you're and right. First three rounds. Tim Beckham, you're... same thing. Tim Beckham out of Georgia, they signed. Uh, you know, he ends up going number one overall. He might have been better off going to college, but fi- not financially, probably. Um, well, financially, definitely. Right, but but, but the, the very few guys. Grant Green said that. Yeah, you know, the my pitch would be. More guys need to do what I did. Greg Green just told me, I turned down a half million dollars at a high school. I wound up with millions out of college. I had a great time being in college. But not enough people made that same choice. And most people aren't going to make that choice. I I think that Chad Kruder and a lot of pro guys make this mistake, J.J. A lot of guys who don't have experience in college baseball, uh, they evaluate players as if they're professional baseball. And a lot of the college coaches do aim too high. You know, when he first got to San Diego State – same problem for Tony Gwynn when he was first head coach there. They constantly had players, none of the names are coming to my head, but I know Sean O'Sullivan is one example of a guy that that was a make-or-break recruit for Tony Gwynn because he was a two-way guy, and when he signed as a draft and followed, that just killed San Diego State's recruiting class. So, you know, they, obviously, they got Steven Strasburg, who... But they got Steven Strasburg is example of what, yeah, that was, he that wasn't he, he was in high was school. In
1: a, he didn't he get drafted. Was,
0: he was, like, people knew who he was, but Trevor Cahill was the guy, the aforementioned Trevor Cahill. Was the guy in San Diego that year? Not Steven Strasburg in, in the San Diego high schools. And Gavin that's what, Brooks was to, the other guy that year. to
1: to succeed as a college coach. Is it fair to say you
0: yes you really you, shouldn't be a pro guy well, basically. But
1: but really you can't you don't build your team. You can occasionally get like a TCU. Okay, they yeah. land Matt Perk right and it, yes he's a program changer. But they
0: built their program on the Brian Holidays. Of the right, world, you you build but Perk, you
1: so. build your program. On the very good college guys Correct. who, when they show up on campus, are not top ten round picks.
0: That's very true. And I, I, I you, you can't, have you the can't survive those on that.
1: You cannot survive on you those. You cannot guys.
0: survive on the on trying to recruit guys like Aaron Hicks and Mike Moustakas. You just won't get them to campus. And you, Chad Krueger proved that. And the track record of pro guys, you know, ex big leaguers in college baseball, is really pretty poor. Tony Gwynn's track record at, at San Diego State is decent, and I only say it's decent because they actually did go to regional. They had Strasburg. They developed Strasburg. Right. But the thing is, they hadn't been to regionals since 1992. It's not like he took over some juggernaut program. Right. He took no, over a, a and, program and you that get, wasn't good. And
1: Strasburg by itself because of what it meant for the program. Sure. Developing Strasburg means that a whole lot of people know about that baseball program who did not Absolutely. ever know that it existed before.
0: Absolutely. But Tony has had to learn that in right. a difficult way, that it's easier, for, it's easier to build a program. And the thing is, San Diego State is not in the Pac-10. And if you are a, a, a player who could be a good college player at San Diego State, you'll probably be a good college player in the Pac-10, and you'd probably rather go to a Pac-10 school. Um, so there's that. they always have that issue. Or you just go to Fullerton uh, or UC Irvine right. and play in the Big West, another better conference in a lot of ways in the Mountain West, although the Mountain West, I think, gets, uh, uh, doesn't get enough respect. But then you have other big leaguers, Vance Law at BYU. Don't think he's ever been to regionals. Uh, Ed Sprague is actually – doing one of the better jobs of an ex-big leaguer at Pacific, and he's really improved the program at Pacific. But in general, those ex-big leaguers don't make great college coaches, and Chad Cruder, his 16 years in the big leagues, as you like to say, really uh, actually was disastrous for USC. So they've hired Frank Cruz, uh, the former Loyola, Loyola Marymount coach. He was a volunteer assistant the last two years at USC. He's a former Mike Gillespie assistant I think he's got a shot to be the coach at USC. Right, you, you basically
1: you account. get a year you get a year trial now, yeah. and you better. It
0: wasn't good though at Louisville. Right, it was really not good.
1: So, so basically, was... what he has to prove, which it happens, but he has to prove, hey, I've learned from, you know. Yeah, that's
0: not his personality. But I'm, I'm, I'm frankly not a Frank Cruz guy. Uh, he coached the USA college national team, uh, and that was a great, talented team. 2005 uh, draft, 2004 summer. Um, you know, he, uh, he didn't do a great job at Little Marymount. They had some great teams in 98, 99, 2000. Uh, none of those guys wound up really being big leaguers. Mike Schultz, who had a long career in Japan. Uh, Scott Walter, who was a Royals farmhand. Uh, those are the kind of guys that they had. But since 2001, I don't think they made regionals, and he was fired. He didn't lose his job because he wanted to. So I don't think he's – I think your best case scenario is that USC, is that USC will shell out a bunch of money for an established coach with a Southern California tie, such as George Horton, Dave Serrano, someone like that. So, uh, but I think it's a big deal. USC's program was once the king of college baseball, and it really hasn't been relevant for a long time. I think it's important for college baseball to get a good brand name like USC back to prominence. So, honestly, glad to see Chad Krueger go. And I also wonder what this means for Tom House, his pitching coach. That's one question I haven't seen, I haven't seen the press release myself, whether or not Tom House lost his job or not. I'm going to guess on an interim basis he's still going to be there with Frank Cruz, but – I don't think that's long for this world either. I don't. It's not like USC's leading the Pac-10 and pitching every year with Tom House as their pitching coach. So, uh, JJ, moving on. Uh, yeah, our last.
1: Yeah, our, our our last topic. Uh, we we did mention that we talked about best tools. Which I
0: like our best tools cover. It's a little bit different. Uh, Roy Halladay in a Phillies uniform, but also just a little a little side view. I kind of like it. It's a different cover, different color for us. Different well, cover for us.
1: Well, what we want to talk about. We're not going to really get into specifics. I did the Florida State League. John did the Eastern League, but. If we did that, we would talk about two leagues out of, you know, right. a multitude of leagues. You know. But, we work, you know, we do sometimes on the podcast kind of want to explain a little bit how the sausage is made. That's right. And hopefully with that, you can help a little bit of understanding of when you are looking at it, what's going on. And the thing that struck me to, to kind of explain with Best Tools, so what we do with Best Tools is we send ballots out to every manager in a league. So as
0: many ways as you can send the ballot right. out. Right, we'll email it, we'll fax, email, we'll send smoke signals, we'll do whatever call, you know. Send it to the media guy, whatever. Right,
1: you know. Yeah, you uh, you're the Eastern League. You have media guys. That That's is the right. Florida State League. You know, they're all bus trips, and they're right. uh, and there are often no media guys. But um, you,
0: half the time you call the Florida State League team in a major league assistant general manager on right. the
1: phone. Or you get you know, well, the Yankees, you know, Tampa, you know, yeah. Can I want to speak to the the Tampa manager? Oh, hold on. You know, like, oh, right. so you want to deal with you the minor league team. That's, uh, that's right. That, you know, that's but, rare. You know, but but so that being said, you know, so you send the ballots out, and you, you know, then, yes, you try to get them back in whatever way you can. And then you also contact uh, some scouts who've covered that, you know, that league to kind of get, you know, usually how I do it, I don't know about you, but I, I get the manager's info, and then I go by, or essentially I cross-check it by a scout. That's what
0: I do. And, That's exactly what I do.
1: But the thing I wanted to explain with this is, is that, and feel free to chime in on this, is that as we go through it, with best tools is the start. Best tools, you know, when we get into prospect season, best tools is the start of prospect season. Because the hope is is that you you're gonna, you know, you collect this information and you're going to learn some things that you didn't know. Hey, that guy has a, you know, the best breaking ball in that league. Oh, I thought he was good, but I didn't know it was that good. Right. That kind of thing. Then we go from that into league top 20s. And then we go from that in the top tens, which becomes the top thirty that's in the right. prospect handbook. but the thing I was you know one of the things with that is is that this is this is the links the rankings that we massage the least. I think would be the way to put it
0: That's a great way to put it. This is the one that's the most straight votes you know really um the way I end up doing it is I actually uh and i didn't I couldn't do it this year in the Eastern League because there's been such turnover in the Eastern League. I've done the Eastern League for three or four years. And so last year, especially when I did Best Tools, um, not to get too Orwellian about it, but some votes counted more than others. You know, you know which... some managers' opinions mattered more to me than other guys.
1: Well, and the other way to put it, when I'm doing Florida State League, like, if one guy is clearly winning the vote, that guy is going to win it. Right. Even if, generally, even if. I don't think that that guy necessarily...
0: But if it's a runaway... But if
1: it's a runaway, you know... The, but vote, if it, the voters have spoken. But, but what happens is if, you're, if it's close, if you've got, you know, like, uh, for example, Florida State League this year, if you go best... There are, also, there are categories where it's tough for, yeah. for managers, understandably. Best defensive first baseman in the Florida State League this Correct. year. Correct. There was not. Yeah. Like, the thing I want to explain with this more than anything is, is because you see a name doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, like, especially, there are certain categories. Not that they don't mean anything, but if you see best defensive first baseman.
0: Yeah, that's not as important.
1: That's not as important because, and this is, I'm not faulting managers. If there's not a standout first baseman defensively in a league, right, the name that's going to pop to their head is if there's a good hitter in the league that's right. who's not brutal.
0: It's going to be the first first baseman they can think of. The best first baseman they can think of. Right. Who, the best player who plays first base. Now, I'll say
1: this. Best defensive shortstop on there? You're never going to see a guy show up at best defensive shortstop That's who, right. who, who's, who's a butcher. That's right.
0: That's never going to happen. But the first base, obviously, defense is lower down the, pro- the profile. Like in the Eastern League, I wanted to make sure he won the vote. But Anthony Rizzo, Portland, the, I, I spoke to three managers before I went on vacation. The, the, they all say, well, Rizzo has the best defensive first base ability. But one of them even said, well, it's going to be funny to vote for a guy who's got 11 errors. And then you look at the stats, and, yeah, Anthony Rizzo had 11 errors at the time I made that phone call. And he had a, I think he might have had a multiple error game at first base. And there have been all kinds of errors. Uh, it's been, it has, but but tools-wise, he has the best defensive first base tools. And mostly you want to keep those. Like in that league, there was no good defensive third baseman who's a prospect. Ray Chang is an older guy, more of a veteran, not necessarily a prospect. But there wasn't a prospect well, who was thought of better. Brandon Laird got some votes, but he didn't get as many votes as Ray Chang. And, and the thing about this is, and that that the scouts I talked to, and have the thing, all thing said is, Brandon Laird,
1: yeah, Brandon Laird's a forty-five, forty-five-ish third baseman, yeah. yeah. Florida State League, Michael McDade was in the running for best defensive first baseman.
0: Probably, would a 35 yeah, issue. I
1: was going to say, he's a 30-35, yeah. but he also is one of the few guys at first base in that league who actually is a prospect. That's and right. And so, you know, I don't fault managers voting that way, but that was, but so that's one of the things we want to explain This is, like, when you see best pitching prospect, best pitching prospect, that guy, there are never, very rarely going to be a league where there wasn't a pitching prospect in the league.
0: That's right. Best thought,
1: fastball, that guy's going to throw hard. But there are certain things, you know, when you see like best defensive first baseman, don't think of that as, you know, well that guy's a gold glover. Right, right. Because it right. doesn't necessarily mean that. Um but it is, it's a very useful step. You know, like it as fo- and for prospect following also, you're gonna see some names in there that you know that jump out. It's like, wait, you know, well who you know, I didn't know that guy had a good you know that guy right. would change up.
0: I so I also think uh, you know in your league in the Florida State League and the most interesting thing is that Anthony Goes won three tools. Fastest base runner, best defensive outfielder, most exciting player. Didn't even win probably his best tool, which is outfield arm. He's got a 70 arm. Right. The funny Mesa thing is that Melky Mesa,
1: Mel- you know, like, pretty much like to, to go a little bit in, to, mm. go, but to go, into the balancing a little bit on that, you know, like, half the, half the league voted for Melky Mesa, best defensive outfielder, best outfield arm. Yeah. Half the league voted for Anthony Goes best outfielder or nice. best defensive outfielder. And it really was. It was like, okay, you could have put either one of those on either category, and you would have pretty much reflected half the league. I mean, there was right. almost like no other ballots for those. Right. And then it really came down to, like, talking to scouts, it's just like, you know, Mace's arm's a tick better. You Best know?
0: defensive outfielder was exactly the same in the Eastern League between Gorkas Hernandez and Chechuan Dean. Uh, with Joe Benson getting some some uh, votes in there as well for best arm, that threw things off a little bit. So Chase Wan got best defensive outfielder, and uh, Gorkis Hernandez got best outfield arm. I, I think you could have flipped that. I think you know, honestly, if, I, if I'm evaluating it, not like I'm a scout, but just the scouting reports that I've had in the past, I would probably have flipped those. But, but you go But again, but this there, is the one yeah, that we now six we six and one half dozen. Now other.
1: when we get to the league top twenty. You're gathering the information, and if everyone in the league likes a guy, that guy's going to make the rankings whether, you know, we the writer believe him or not. Right. But that being said, the order of that, you know, will, may not necessarily reflect the consensus of the league's managers. You know, it's going to weigh a little bit more to the – you know, probably a little bit more to what the scouts are saying.
0: Right. But, like, I like some of the leagues where you see I, – I, I do like when you see a guy dominate a league's best tools. When you see a guy show up time and time again – Texas League, Mike Mustakas best batting prospect, Mike Mustakas best power prospect, Mike Mustakas best defensive third baseman, Mike Mustakas most exciting player. That's a good sign. That's Southern a great league. sign for a player. Beth,
1: you know, Mike Stanton is the same way the Southern League. Like, yeah, you see that, and it's like, okay. And Michael Pineda, actually, as well. Yeah, so. the, when you see that, it's like, this is the guy who's the story of that league.
0: Yeah, but Mike Stanton um, is fun to watch. Yeah. <laughs> That's all. You mentioned Mike Stanton, I just thought to myself, every time I hear Mike Stanton, I think, that's another USC baseball recruit But they didn't get. A guy that they tried to get to onto campus uh, by also having him where he could have walked on to play football, too. I don't even know if you can do that. Can you even do that? Can you walk on to play football if you play baseball? You,
1: no, I don't think it works I don't think that way because to do the that. thing about it is. You'd have to give like him a football scholarship. You'd have to give him a football scholarship because you count, because otherwise. There are many, many, many football programs out there that would figure out a way to have 11.7 more football players. That's exactly. Right. Oh, you know, well he he pitches every fifth, you know, Sunday of the year. You know, he got three starts over, you know, during during the baseball season. But by the way, he's also our uh, second team inside linebacker.
0: But no, that's right. But like like you said, um, this is really the uh, this is the start of prospect season. We've already been doing a lot of these things. But if if you have, uh, this is where you start your calls. This is where you start building your relationships with your league managers. Like I mentioned, this Easter League had a ton of turnover this year, but my old faithful uh, guys were my guys again. And as far as turning in their ballots, and they all know uh, Brad comments knows I'm calling. I've got Brad Comins' cell number. You know, this year, the Futures game, when I saw Steve Decker, I actually went up to Steve Decker and just said, I just want to tell you how upset I am that you are no longer in the Eastern League. I don't know Andy Skeels, his replacement in the Giants organization at AA, but Decker got promoted to AAA. uh, Steve Decker kind of laughed about it, but I really will miss having Steve Decker in the Eastern League. I really valued his opinion. When Steve Decker talked about other catchers in the Eastern League the last few years, I listened uh you know Brad comments when he talked about how guys handled hype guys with a lot of hype who came through that league I listened because he was there uh so there are several veteran uh, managers in that league uh, and then there uh, you know Gary Cathcart was another guy I always uh, really loved listening to Gary Cathcart uh I felt like he knew that league inside and out and no longer in the Blue Jays organization I forget where he's managing now uh but you love having the those guys over and over again there were like 9 or 10 managers who are in that league year in and year out. And that's one of the advantages, I think, for you, J.J., doing the Florida State League. There are repeat managers in that league that you've been able to build up good relationships with. Right.
1: And that, that is definitely a part of this is, like, you do learn, okay, this guy clearly is watching it with that eye. Because some managers, you know, it's not like, that's not what their. That's not their strength. That's not their skill set. I think
0: it, when we do the league top twenty, you, if you don't talk to all twelve managers in your league or fourteen managers, you feel like you're missing something. You know, at least a coach. Right. You want clubs. to talk to
1: at least. You want to talk to at least. You really want to talk to at least someone with each club because you want to. I mean, you want right. to make sure that you want you've covered everyone on their team.
0: Right, like last year, I talked to scouts and opposing managers, obviously who'd seen Erie, but I didn't the Tigers' AA affiliate. But I didn't talk to Tom Brookins, who was the Erie manager, I felt like I was less informed about Erie. And as a result, we were low on Brennan Bosch. I feel like that started with our league lists. I really do. I feel like that's, and that's one great way that, like, maybe 15 years ago, when you did a top 10, you did a top 10. You did it in a vacuum. You didn't really like to talk to somebody else. And usually, you just talk to people in the organization. I think sometimes 15, 20 years ago, we got used by oh, organizations yeah. to pump well, up and that's their one, guys. And that's one but thing that's now we have a great hedging against this is the league top 20s. You have outside the organization sources. Sometimes and, you have 11 or 12 of them because right. of league, these, these league top right. 20s. And that's so. the
1: thing that always is, is fascinating is that when you do the league top 20s, you always are going to have a guy or two who, when you start making the calls, is not, I'm not saying you don't know who he is, but he's not on your radar from the standpoint right. of you don't, you've never thought of this guy to be a top ten. Oh, the no guy doubt. that the guy that I go back to is is that you know, I, I, several years ago now I remember you know, and I'll I'll first say that this was not the only Dodger that I went crazy on the Florida State League, and not all, you know, there's another one who didn't go nearly as well as number one there, but but Matt Kemp, yeah. everyone you talked to in that league loved Matt Kemp, and not that he was not a prospect before that, but I remember like the first time I sent it out, it's like you know. Getting a comeback, man. That's high on Matt Kemp, and it's like, well, you know, they love him that league. Jason yeah, yeah. Bartlett in the Eastern League, the first year did it, hmm. like everyone loved Jason Bartlett. And you go, I went into that. I didn't have Jason Bartlett on my list yeah. of guys to ask about necessarily, yeah. but everyone in that league loved Jason Bartlett, and so you know, you go, well, there's got to be something there.
0: Right.
1: Again, it doesn't always work that well. I just blinked on the name of the uh, six foot seven. Uh, 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 Joel Guzman, Joel Guzman, yeah, <laughs> number one in that you know in the Florida State League one year. So well, I'm not saying v- I'm like some brilliant you know preskin yeah. or anything. I'm just saying that
0: my favorite one was two years ago in the Eastern League when uh, Jose Tabata had his year where he was awful in the first half for Trenton and then got traded and went to the Pirates and uh, his manager in Altoona, like, I think at that time was Tim Leeper, was just like, hey look, this guy's awesome. I, mean, I used all the quotes on the record. It wasn't like he was saying off the record stuff. He said like, this guy was clearly humbled. And he came to us the last month of the year, and he was tremendous. So I basically, like, I'd already made a lot of my calls. And I'd asked people about Tabata. But then I went back, and I made a couple more calls, a couple more emails, found a scout. Everyone who'd seen him in August loved him. with Altuna loved him, didn't like him, they loved him. They were like, oh, this is the guy who all the hype was about. He used all fields. He showed the ability to pull the ball. He ran well. He played a good center field, you know. And now Tabata's back in the big leagues and actually played... Yeah, fairly well for the Pirates with him, Pedro Alvarez. Neil Walker. Neil Walker actually, like, making the Pirates somewhat interesting to watch. Although, I if love...
1: If you have not heard the radio call from Alvarez's walk-off, it's on I YouTube. Haven't. It's worth doing. Um, it's just from the standpoint of, you know... Two, two radio announcers going, hey, if you're a Pirates <laughs> announcer, you, yeah. you have to go insane about moments like that because you, you, you're going to go insane otherwise. But
0: 17 years without a whole lot of excitement. There are only so many ways you can get excited about... Uh, well, they the got,
1: thing? let's just say, like I said, if you find on YouTube, they got excited about the uh, walk-off home run by Pedro Alvarez. They definitely I- I'm, I'm looking at it the that.
0: show is over, which is right about now on the Baseball America podcast. So hope you enjoyed the show. Again, if you have emails or questions for us... For Friday's podcast, send this into us at podcast at baseballamerica dot com, or leave this for us on our uh, Facebook page, facebook dot com backslash baseball And we're sponsored by MLB Network. For JJ Cooper, I am John Manuel. We'll see you next time on the Baseball America podcast. So long, everybody.